Good morning, Graceway. Today is September 18th, and this is Pastor David from the Graceway Morning Bible Study Teaching Team. And today, I'm joined by my special guest, Lid the Kid. Hello. Today, we'll be continuing our journey through the Gospel of Mark with Mark chapter 1, verses 29 through 31. So far, Jesus has been baptized, he's been tempted, and he started to preach the Gospel of God. He's called his first disciples and performed his first healing in the synagogue. If you want to follow along, I'll be reading from the New American Standard Bible. Let's begin. And immediately after they came out of the synagogue, they came into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was lying sick with a fever, and immediately they spoke to Jesus about her. And he came to her and raised her up, taking her by the hand. And the fever left her, and she waited on them. The word of the Lord. Well, if we contextualize this text, we might say that right after church, everyone goes to Peter's house for some fellowship and food. There is very good archaeological evidence for Peter's house and the synagogue. In fact, if you visit Capernaum today, you can see the foundations of both the house and the synagogue and see that they are located right next to each other. And in case you forgot or didn't know, Peter was married, and in 1 Corinthians 9.5, the Apostle Paul makes a complaint asking, Do we not have a right to take along a believing wife, even as the rest of the apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas, that is Peter? In other words, she doesn't make an appearance here, but Peter's wife seems to have regularly traveled with Peter in his ministry. And also, the text is not explicit, but it appears that Peter's mother-in-law is living in his home. The fact that she lives with her daughter and son-in-law suggests that she is a poor widow. If she had a husband, she'd likely be living with him, or with a son if she had one, or with her extended family. But she's living with her daughter's husband, a kind of last choice, and suggests that she has no one else to care for her. Well, it's great that Peter's helping to take care of her, but why does he bring everybody over? It's like he goes to church in the morning knowing that his mother-in-law is sick, And then, right after church, he brings all his buddies back to his place for some food. Dad, if you did that, I'm sure Mom would say something. Yeah, well, maybe Peter's just being a clueless husband or son-in-law. Or maybe, in Peter's defense, he brought Jesus because he thought he could heal her. And all the other people just came along because, you know, they wanted to hang out with Jesus. Because right now, he's like the most popular guy in Capernaum. Okay, but do you think that Jesus needed to do a miracle to heal her for just a fever? It seems like Jesus is wasting a miracle to heal just a fever. When he casts out the unclean spirit or when he heals people from leprosy or paralysis, they seem like a good use of a miracle. But can't you just wait to let a fever pass? Well, I know for us, a fever is just kind of a symptom of another illness. And maybe you just take a couple of Tylenols and that's, that's it. But a fever in those days was potentially much more dangerous. And when it showed up, because another underlying illness like malaria might be be there, it could kill you. So healing healing her of a fever was a big deal and I think worthy of a miracle. Hmm. It's also interesting that Jesus takes her by the hand. In the other healing miracles, he just says the word, but then here he makes it a point to lift her by the hand. Yeah, that's a really good observation. I think for people who are sick and isolated, Being touched and held are really important ways to bring about connection and healing. Think about, you know, lepers in Jesus' day or uh, people with AIDS or something like that today. And I know, again, in our day, it looks 
uh, insignificant because in our culture, men and women can be friends and hug each other and shake hands and greet each other with a kiss, things like that. But in the first century, touching a woman who is not related to you is a social taboo, even your mother-in-law. Add to the fact that she's ill and so therefore unclean. And remember, it's the Sabbath day. They just got out of synagogue and you're not supposed to work, even heal on the Sabbath. So in taking her hand to heal her, Jesus broke all kinds of social and religious conventions. In the next chapter, the Pharisees and the others uh, will care very much about this, especially the fact that he's doing work on the Sabbath and they'll look to destroy Jesus because of it. But right now, it looks like most people don't care and they're just glad that she got healed. Mark also tells us that Jesus took her by the hand and he lifted her up. This verb to lift up is the main verb for the resurrection. Jesus was lifted up. He was raised up by God. In Mark 16, 6, for example, the angel tells the women who have come looking for Jesus at the tomb, do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He has been raised, that is lifted up. According to scholars, this word suggests that new strength is imparted to those laid low by illness, unclean spirits, or even death, so that they may again rise up to take their place in the world. I think the word hints at a new life and the resurrection to come. Hmm, very cool, Dad. But after he heals her, it says that she waited on them. Why does she do that? She's like an elderly woman who's barely getting over an illness, but then she has to go back to serving a bunch of guys for dinner. Isn't that another classic case of male chauvinism? Well, yeah, some scholars do interpret the passage that way, and and they do that with a certain amount of disdain. But but I think it's more than a simple return to patriarchy. Peter's mother-in-law is responding to her healing by serving. The word for serving or waiting is the word for deacon in English. So she deaconed them. And I'm convinced she didn't have to do this. She wanted to do this. For example, you know that when your uh, grandmothers are in our house, your mother and her sisters will do all the work, right? Grandmas don't do the work. They don't have to serve when their daughters, that is your mom or her sisters, are around. So Peter's mother-in-law could easily have let Peter's wife and the other women that were there do all the work. She could have excused herself, stayed in bed, but she chose service. I think that's what disciples do. Restoration is not simply for health alone, for my own well-being, but for a calling, for a vocation of service. We are raised, lifted up to a new life for service. This is not merely a return to cultural bondage. What may appear as bowing to social convention is now lived out with much deeper meaning because of discipleship. She did what was, expect, you know, what was expected of women, yeah. But now it's done with meaning and purpose and discipleship. In light of the salvation, the healing, the reconciliation, the restoration we have received through Christ, our response can be the same way, to be one of thankfulness and service. Later, Jesus is going to make this very explicit. In Mark 9, 35, Jesus says to his disciples, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And later, in chapter 10, verse 43, But whoever will be great among you, you must be your servant. And then a couple verses later, he will tell them, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So in her service, she follows the supreme example of Jesus himself and shows herself to be a good disciple. So I think that's the challenge and encouragement for us. We can go about doing our regular work, you know, of working, cleaning, cooking, and everything else. But it can be infused with meaning 
because it's in response to Christ's healing. It's because of our discipleship. We can turn all of our mundane work into an act of discipleship. So maybe the next time you're doing the dishes or mowing the lawn or uh, cleaning up a diaper or doing your homework, you can offer a word of thanks to Jesus for lifting you up and you can treat it all as an act of discipleship. Mm, Wise words, Dad. Thanks. Well, that's it for today. But be sure to join us next time for more from the Gospel of Mark. This is Pastor David and my special guest, Lid the Kid, from the Graceway Sunday Morning Bible Study Teaching Team, signing out.